This is Stephen Strang, and welcome to my podcast in which I talk about what's coming up in the election in November. You know, a pause button has been pressed on many aspects of American life, and I'm asking the question today, what does this mean for the election? Well, my new book, God, Trump, and the 2020 Election, actually has a whole chapter on why Trump might lose, and one of the main reasons is if the economy is bad. And when I finished the book, before Thanksgiving, the economy was roaring, and it looked like not much could happen. And then in just a matter of a couple of weeks, our whole country has more or less shut down. It's not totally shut down. Here in Seminole County, Florida, where I live, our offices are still open and many businesses are still open, but restaurants, other public gatherings, churches, anything over 50 people has certainly been shut down and many people have been laid off. Many businesses are hurting. At the same time, I'm reporting on my Strang Report podcast, several of which have just really taken off, that some of the prophets are saying that it'll wrap up around Passover, but time will tell. And one way or the other, we're still going to have an election. And I've seen some news media outlets that have quoted some, you know, rather knowledgeable people like Steve Bannon and others who are saying that this terrible, terrible dip in the economy where almost the bottom has fallen out, is actually an existential threat to Donald Trump's re-election. And regardless of how this comes out, our nation seems to have been divided into two voting blocks. Christians, and especially evangelicals, are very influential, but our strength is in our numbers, and too many conservative Christians are just tempted to disengage on Election Day. The fact is, whether liberal or conservative, Not all Christians vote, and even conservative Christians who do go to the polls don't always vote on biblical principles. Historian David Barton watches Christian voting trends with interest and says no one can know precisely what the actual numbers are. They are based only on generally identified percentages in the United States. There will be regions where the numbers will be higher or lower, but they all combine to form a national general picture, and that is that the current population in the United States is 329 million. The number of eligible voters, those who are at least 18 years old, is 255 million. That's 77.6% of the total. Professing Christians are 70% of the population, or 180 million eligible voters. 33% of eligible voters are not even registered to vote. That would include almost 60 million Christians. 36% of professing Christians are considered evangelical, so 21.5 million evangelicals are unregistered. The short story is that about 60 million professing Christians are not registered to vote, of whom about 21.5 million are professing evangelicals also not registered to vote. In my book, God, Trump, and the 2020 Election, I discuss how both Republicans and Democrats are trying to get more people to register who they believe will vote for their candidates. If we are concerned, as I am, that people vote biblically, the situation becomes more complicated. Barton said, getting church people to register to vote will not necessarily result in improved candidates. For example, despite efforts to get Christians to register and vote in 2016 presidential election, 57% of all first-time voters supported Hillary Clinton. Quote, 
That was one of the highest levels of support she received from any group, Barton said. Thus, just because church people get registered to vote does not mean they will vote in a biblical or conservative manner, unquote. Barton points to statistics that show only a small percentage of Christians have a biblical worldview, a fraction read the Bible on a daily basis, and many American pastors are unwilling to preach on issues they deem too political. So if Christians are not taught to view current events through a biblical worldview, we should not be surprised if they do not necessarily vote according to biblical values. Barton told me, however, that Christians do get involved in political activities if their pastors are talking about what the Bible says about current moral and cultural issues. In the same way, prayer network organizer Frank Amedia, who is a personal friend of mine, told me that God is doing mighty things in the nation right now, but he believes the church must again become aware of the power of God. He tells the story of a well-known Korean pastor who visited the United States at the request of one of the largest denominations, and when the pastor came to America, he was disheartened for the lack of zeal for the Lord. Just before he left to return to Korea, he told pastors who invited him that the American church has a form of godliness but has no power. Frank told me, quote, I think we need to be a voice calling the body of Christ to get hot, to get on fire, and to not be complacent, to live on the laurels of an election that was won a couple of years ago when we're losing so many battles day by day in the earth today, unquote. Dutch Sheets, a charismatic prayer leader and Bible teacher, who is also a friend of mine, believes that there will be a revival around the world. He believes that this revival will be like the Jesus movement of the late 1960s and 70s, except on steroids, unquote. He's been traveling around the country announcing that God is birthing the future, adding that we've been having some of the most powerful, significant gatherings I've ever participated in. It's not because there's a great explosion of power. It's because there's such an incredible depth that has come to the remnant church, the praying church. In the past 25 years, millions have prayed and fasted, and we're seeing those prayers answered. It's been encouraging. At the same time, Dutch, like other leaders, is aware of the vitriolic hate and attacks against Trump, which are exposing the left for who they really are and what they really believe. Dutch told me, quote, I believe it's all demonically motivated because I believe the powers of darkness are so angry to be seeing the momentum they gained in the last 40 to 50 years being reversed. Because if America becomes weak and loses these markers and loses our strength, we can no longer be the basis for spreading the gospel around the world that we need to be. The awakening that's coming is going to impact America, but it's going to be around the world. One of the most articulate spokesmen for Christian values is Pastor Robert Jeffress of First Baptist Church of Dallas. He's a regular on Lou Dobbs on the Fox Business Network. And Dobbs asked him almost two years before the election to prognosticate on the political situation in this country. Jeffress told him, the left has been doing everything they can to delegitimize this president since day one. First of all, it was the collusion illusion. That didn't work out. And now they've created what I call the myth of the midday massacre, the idea that somehow the GOP lost massive amounts because of Trump's unpopularity. That is complete fiction. First of all, 
Trump did not have the shellacking that Obama did in losing 60 House seats and six Senate seats. Instead, he had minimal losses in the House and picked up three Senate seats, unquote. Let me pause to say that I agree with Jeffress, and I believe that the president came out ahead in the midterms because the senators from swing states who had opposed him about Kavanaugh are gone. I can't say that surprises me. The debacle surrounding Kavanaugh was one of the most despicable things in Congress I've ever seen. Jeffress continued, quote, I'm going to make this prediction that the House flipping and being under the leadership of Maxine Waters and Nancy Pelosi is going to give President Trump an even larger re-election majority win in 2020. This is all going to work for good, and I believe there's a great momentum and support behind this president because he is focusing on results, and we're seeing those results every day, every week, unquote. Lou Dobbs asked him who will win the 2020 election, and Jeffers answered loud and clear, Donald J. Trump. But what happens if Jeffers is wrong and Trump loses? What's at stake? Everything. That's why people must pray. There's an old axiom that says we need to pray as if everything depends on God, and we have to act as if everything depends on us, because it does. Never has this been truer than at this critical hour when our nation's future hangs in the balance. Because we know this is a spiritual battle, prayer is absolutely critical in winning the fight, but it won't mean much if we don't vote. If there's any of the Democratic candidates that were running when I wrote this, win, we know that America will be very different. Actually, it looks like Joe Biden is going to get the nomination, which, of course, was not apparent when I wrote these words. As Christian Americans, you and I have enjoyed the traditions of freedom and religious liberty that we've inherited from generations before us, values that have defined the United States from its inception. President Trump has vowed that under his watch, we will continue to reap these blessings in our nation. He has vowed that America will never become a socialist country. He has vowed that we will be a nation that believes in the power of prayer. And he has vowed that we will remain one nation under God. As people of faith, we cannot stand by and allow these rights and privileges to be erased. We must stand up and be counted, casting votes that protect the values we hold most dear. It's the only way we will preserve those rights and freedom for generations that follow. And of course, that's why I wrote the book, because I think these issues are so important. These are also words that I wrote before Thanksgiving, when the Democratic field was very large. Now, of course, it's been narrowed to two. And before any of us had ever heard of the coronavirus, or before the very drastic measures were taken, where Much of the country is asked to stay at home, and many businesses or most businesses are closed. And so I'll add this to what I wrote in the book. By the way, most of what I just read is from the book, and I hope you find it interesting. I hope you find it a good read. We've sold already more than 40,000 copies. If you haven't taken time to read the book, this is a good time. You've got a little more time on your hands than normal. You can also order it from the online retailers. It may take a little longer to get delivered, or you can actually order it electronically, either from Kindle or Audible Books. 
that's a better way to get it. I think you'll find it very, very interesting. But because of what's happening and because the leftist press is continuing to attack Trump, either they say he didn't act soon enough or he acted too soon. Or if he talks about anything being hopeful, they say that he's just saying fairy tales. He can't win for losing. And you know that however this plays out, and I believe that things will get back to normal before the election, but it's going to take a while for the economy to jump back from this serious, serious blow. That means that a lot of people will vote on their pocketbook. You know, maybe they'll end up blaming Trump for all of this. Actually, I commend him for providing tremendous leadership and for even closing the border to China and the border to Europe pretty fast. You know, some people can argue with 2020 hindsight, no pun intended, that he could have done it sooner, but he did it very, very fast. And we have to keep in perspective that when you compare this to the swine flu, which is said to have killed 13,000 Americans, that a thousand people had died before the Obama administration even declared it an emergency. And of course, never were the drastic steps taken to stop the spread of the virus, which we've seen now with the Chinese coronavirus. And as I record this podcast on March 23rd, 2020, the number of Americans who have been killed are only a little over 300. Tragic. It's very tragic. But it's far less than the thousand I just mentioned with the swine flu. And we also know that somewhere between 25 and 50 or 60,000 people die every year of the flu, the common flu. And that's tragic too. Every loss of life is tragic. But we somehow live with that. We live with the people who are killed in automobile accidents. We don't ground every vehicle on the road to save those lives. And President Trump has just tweeted that we're going to have to take a look at this in a couple of weeks, that the cure cannot be worse than the disease. And I agree with that. We need to pray for our president. And when it comes time to vote, we need to support our president. He is going to need every single vote he can. We cannot be complacent. And I was feeling, as I move mostly in Christian circles, you know, both in my private life, you know, here locally with my church and my close friends, but also as I moved nationally with Christian leaders and a lot of different ministries, that there was a little bit of a complacency that this was a slam dunk for President Trump, partly because of all the things he's accomplished, and there's an entire chapter in God Trump in the 2020 election, and the name of the chapter is Promises Made, Promises Kept, and also because the Democratic Party was just in such total, total disarray. Now, the pause button has been hit with this coronavirus, but we will get by it. We will have an election. These issues will become very, very important again, and we cannot let this crisis, let our country pick the wrong leader, and let these social and religious and cultural and political issues that make our country go further left and to some extent even becoming socialistic and even some of the things that the Trump administration is implementing, which the government riding to the rescue, the types of things that socialist governments do. Now, it seems that these drastic measures are necessary in this time of crisis. And I have confidence in President Trump as a leader, but he's not perfect. He needs our prayer, but he needs our support as well. We need to pray that he'll be strong and not crack under the stress 
We need him to be strong. And I hope that my thoughts are helpful to you. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. I hope you'll share it with others because we have to think soberly and we have to be in faith. Christian leaders are reminding us to be in faith. I'm in faith. I really do believe that Donald Trump will be reelected. I believe that the prophets have spoken that in several different settings. My faith that he's reelected is not shaken. It's just that everything has changed. We cannot count on anything we counted on before. I believe that the things that I wrote in my book are as valid now as they were when I wrote them. It's just that we didn't know all the circumstances. And of course, I said to the reader, the reader's going to know a lot of things that I didn't know when I was writing it. But these principles and the necessity to give Donald Trump four more years is very important. And now with the economy the way it is, I think we need to trust him to help it to bounce back. And he is saying he's kind of an an optimist, and I'm glad we have an optimist in there instead of a pessimist, like Jimmy Carter. Remember how he talked about the malaise and was just like wringing his hands, not knowing what to do about inflation, not knowing what to do about the oil crisis, not knowing what to do about the Iranian hostage situation. Now we have a real leader, a dynamic leader who I believe has been raised up by God, And he believes that the economy will roar back to life. This economic slump was caused by a virus, by a disease, so to speak. It was not caused because businesses were weak or the underlying things in our economy were bad. It's just that when you shut everything down, of course, you're going to have a huge slump, not only in the stock market and with other indicators of economic health and growth, but also in the private sector and small business, which is where I operate, in the nonprofit, in the religious world. But we have to keep strong. We have to keep the faith. And when it comes time to vote, we have to keep Donald Trump in. I believe that more than ever. Thank you for listening to my podcast today. As I've said before, share this with people. And just a reminder that you can get it from our own website. You'll get a signed first edition copy of the book, God, Trump, and the 2020 Election. And the website is a shortened version of the title of the book. It's called GodTrump2020.com. Thank you for listening. God bless you. I'm Stephen Strang.